Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. I really like my things, and it's definitely a problem in my life, uh, and some of you may have noticed that about yourselves as well, that you're really into your stuff. Like, I always need the next Apple product, like I and I hate that about myself. And when it first comes out, I said that's the dumbest watch I have ever seen. I will never have, and here I am. And, and uh, those earpods that are just for your Apple phone—that's so dumb. And yet here I am. Um, Alexa technology, give it to me. Last Christmas, oh, it was Black Friday. I got my first Echo dot and it was the little one and I was like oh this is the best and then I was blessed by some wonderful people buying me a big one incredible I am now on the list to beta test the one that goes in your car and I'm anxiously awaiting that email because <laughs> I will have one in two days two days or less free one or two day shipping um, clothes books you name it things are I'm really into things it's a problem for me um it's a real problem around the holidays because uh, my wonderful wife loves to buy me the things that I want to buy but instead, I buy them for myself, like right before she gets a chance to. Um, and I, one time I was on the way, I was going to buy a new Xbox controller, and Sam texted Dave and said, dude, give him his birthday present right now because he's on his way to buy himself one. And, uh, and so I didn't because he managed to intercept me before I bought one um, because he's a hero and got me exactly what I wanted. And he luckily just barely beat me just buying one for myself. Um, the new thing that I want, and I'm not going to get this anytime soon, but just so you know, is a Tesla, an electric car. Listen, I don't care what you think about me. I drive a Prius, and I love my Prius. It's roomy. The gas mileage is incredible. I have nothing to complain about um, in my Prius. I probably will always have a Prius. Like, I wrecked one and got another one. And I'm like, listen, I will always have a Prius until I upgrade to a Tesla. Another thing I'm anxiously awaiting, I need to get one of these. It's just the latest technology in consumer transportation. I don't need to buy gas anymore. I just plug my car in. What? That's inc I don't have to go to the gas station? Now there's like a limit on how far you can drive and that's kind of a problem. But they will figure that out. By the time I can afford one, they will have figured that out. <laughs> uh, but this is the thing that's on my list. My Prius is really great. And again, I have no reason to be unhappy with my Prius. And yet, there's still a piece of me that really wants the next thing, that really wants a Tesla. I don't need it at all, and I get that, but I want it. Help me out, participate a little bit. What's something on your list, the next thing that you're like, I want this. I don't need it, but I want this. A hat, is that what someone said? <laughs> yes iPhone, that is a great one. Yeah, somebody else. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Well, somebody, tell me, shout it out. What do you want? What's the thing on your list? You're like, this is, if I could have anything in the world for Christmas, this is it. Flamethrower. You know, like the same guy that's making these Teslas or started the Tesla, he's, yeah, he's like working on flamethrowers and he tried to make them available to the public. It was a big problem. Anyone else? <laughs> yes. Doug Sayers, <laughs> yes, he's a, I got a t-shirt with his face on it, That's, that was a nice, uh, I think Matt does too. Anybody else, come on, shout out, what do you want? There's something, a PlayStation what? Four games, okay, what else? Give me one more, one more great thing somebody wants. Um, cash money, Mason, I love the way you think, <laughs> that you can't go wrong, I don't even need to pick a thing, 
I could just invest that. I'm getting old, and I know I'm getting old. Certain things that I think, like I could invest that money and just double it and live off the interest. That's an old person thing to think. Um, but just so you know, I don't know if you know this, but you are the most advertised to generation of all time. Congratulations on that. The most advertised to generation. Every time you get online, when you watch TV, uh, sometimes, maybe if you're on Netflix, um, that you don't have to deal with some ads, but if you're on Hulu with ads like I am, then you're watching them. Um, even on YouTube, like you got ads on YouTube, just driving down the road and the, the roads are lined with billboards, you have advertisements constantly coming at you. And some of them you can fast forward through, some of them you can scroll past, but they are stinking everywhere in your life. About 100% of the time, according to my research, approximately 100% of those advertisements are for things you don't need, but would love to have. <laughs> Don't need, but would certainly like to have. Um, and for a lot of people, especially in, in the culture that we happen to live in, wanting the new, better, more thing is an epidemic. And I personally am infected, and you may be as well. Do you know what this is? There's a little box in the next slide there. Do you guys know what this guy is? A storage unit. That is correct. Now, if you don't... <laughs> If you don't know what a storage unit is, if you acquire so many things that you can't fit them in your home and you need to rent a space outside of your home to store all of your things, things that you clearly are not using because they're not even available to you, then you get a storage unit. I don't know if you've seen the show Storage Wars, super fun show, but people are buying people's abandoned storage units and it gives you a great look into what people are putting in these things and it is all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm going to give you a number here. Across the continent of Europe, if you add up all the storage units in the continent of Europe, you get this number, 2,400 storage units in the continent of Europe. That is a lot of stuff. That's a lot of people who needed more room to store their junk, useless things that they will never use. 2,400. It'll take you about 40 minutes to count that high. Um, assuming Mississippi's, it will take you approximately that 40 minutes to even count that high. Now, there is about twice as many people in Europe as there is in the United States. So keep that in mind. I want you to, in your head, give me a guess of how many storage units you think are in the United States. Logic would say about half, because there's half the amount of people. So put in your head how many storage units you think are in the United States. And I will uh, blow your mind, because this is the number right here. And it is 58,000 across these United States. 58,000 storage units. We have half the people of Europe. And, and we have 24 times the amount of storage units in this great country. 58,000, that is more than the number of Starbucks, McDonald's, Walmarts, and CVSs on the planet combined. We have more storage units we need. Now this says to me, I think, I think we have a stuff problem. <laughs> we have a, 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 st a storage of our useless things problem. And I think a lot of us have bought into the lie that, um, that the things we want are things that we need. The things we want, we see them as needs and it just causes us to act on them and we just accumulate all this stuff because I know that I do not need the latest phone or shoes or game system or whatever it is or book or whatever, but I do know that I want it and I want it bad and if no one stops me, I'm just going to get it. 
And that's a problem in my life. And once we have these things, we do not want to give them up. We don't want to let loose of the things. We hold really tightly to the things that we've acquired. I think all of us have been in a situation in our lives where we have been bossed around by our possessions, where maybe somebody like needed to borrow something and you're like, I'm thinking, I got two extra of those, but they are not getting their grubby hands on them because they are my things. We have all been in a situation where we've been bossed around by our things. And in those times, you are trying, you, you think you're the boss of your stuff because you're holding on to it. But the reality is that your stuff is the boss of you. Your stuff is determining your decisions. So your stuff is the boss of you. And this series is called Boss. And we're asking the question, what or who is the boss of me? What or who is the boss in my life? And last week we talked about our tendency to want to be the boss of ourselves and how that can get us into trouble when we begin to worship the God of me. And we talked about that mirror there. This week we're talking about a second idol um, that we end up worshiping when we get, when we let our stuff boss us around and we worship the God of stuff and money and things. And thank you, Jill, for letting us borrow your piggy bank that says her name on the side. <laughs> this is what happens when we worship the God of our stuff. This is the only thing in our mind. And what I also think is interesting about a piggy bank in particular, or a bank account, is that that is our money just sitting. Like we're not even putting our money to work in those cases, but we are hoarding our resources, hoarding our stuff, hoarding our money. And if we're not careful, it becomes something that we worship. We're talking about this word idolatry, and it's not really a word that you hear outside of church, uh, but I, idolatry is what we call worshiping any God other than the true God. And, and that God may be some sort of, you know, deity of some kind, but it could just be our stuff. It could be ourselves. It could be something that we just elevate in our hearts. We put on the throne of our hearts anything other than the one true God that we, that is an idol in our lives. In the days of the Old Testament, people believed in all kinds of God. Usually it was determined on where you lived. That was kind of the God of the time in that area. That was the God that you worshiped. And, um, these gods were all over the area, and some people believed in a bunch of different gods. Uh, but the true God revealed himself to the people of Israel. And he said, these are going to be my chosen people, and th through these people, I am going to reveal myself to the whole world. So there's a lot of fighting at this time about whose God was best. And when things weren't going well for a group of people, they would abandon their God and find another one. Maybe it was from a neighboring nation. They're like, let's just give this one a try. Maybe our things will turn around. And even the, the people of Israel, the people that God chose, even they had problems keeping the true God on the throne of their hearts. Last week, we started talking about the Ten Commandments. And these were the guidelines that God gave to his people to, to live this certain way. And uh, this is how you live a life, worshiping the true God. And he gave these commandments to a man named Moses while Moses was on a mountain. We talk a lot about mountains in here. And while Moses was gone, there was some stuff going down. Because Moses was on this mountain by himself. And the Israelite people were down at the bottom of the mountain. And this is what happened. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain... They gathered around Aaron. Aaron was like the second in command of this group. He was like the number two leader. He was watching over the people while Moses was gone. They gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. Ugh, dummies. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. 
All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So Moses was like gone for a little while. And the people of Israel said, I know this true God, Yahweh, took us out of slavery in Egypt. I know we saw him move in Egypt in these miraculous ways that the plagues, if you're familiar with the story, uh, with these events. We know that when we came between the, the sea and the army that was chasing us, that he split the sea open so we could walk through it. And we know that after we walked through it, he closed the sea on the pursuing army. We know, we know, we know. But he's taking a really long time. (laughs) We should try something else. That's the logic here. Not really great logic. Uh, And maybe you remember the first commandment that God was giving Moses at this time. We talked about it last week. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. And isn't that ironic? Now that we have this whole picture, we see what's going on. Because God is telling Moses, have no other God but me. At the same dang time that the people of Israel are like, can we find another God, please? Because this one's taken forever. Isn't that ironic? At the same time, these things are happening. Rule number one, do not worship a golden baby cow. And I'm guessing that you have never, like, stolen your mom's jewelry and, like, put it in like cupcake tins in the oven and then molded this golden raccoon that you took into your bedroom and you made sacrifices to the golden raccoon. I'm assuming, I'm hoping that you have never done that. But I think when we get a little deeper into this, you're going to find that like most people and like me, you have more in common with these Israelite people than I would like to admit. (laughs) Many years after this golden calf incident, God comes to earth in the form of a man named Jesus. And this is the, the crux of Our church of our belief, this is why we're here, because God stepped into creation and became a man named Jesus. And Jesus walked the earth for about 33 years. And there was a man named Luke that took a a special interest in Jesus, and especially the last three years of his life. And he kind of recorded some of the stuff that happened around his life. And this man named Luke tells us about a time when Jesus was teaching a crowd, and this is what happened. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother... I love that. Have you ever had those conversations? Mom, would you please tell my brother, like just trying to disown your brother, um, teacher, Jesus, rabbi, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And we can stop right there because we've already learned a lot about this fella. Um, We can see just by this that he has a problem with stuff. He wants more stuff. He wants to hold tightly to stuff. And he has given stuff a lot of authority in his life. And he's even let it come between him and his brother, him and his family, because of his love for stuff. Jesus replied, friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, what he's saying is, I'm I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge of this earth. I cannot make him give you any money. But here's some advice. Then he said, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Did you hear that? Life is not measured by how much you own. Contrary to what your family may be telling you about your college decisions, life is not measured by how much you own. Contrary to what you may be hearing in culture and what just is expected of you, life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. 
A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back to myself and say, and I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. <laughs> you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So this guy had so much stuff that he needed bigger storage units. He couldn't even consume the amount of grain. He, he couldn't do, he couldn't, he couldn't use it because he was being stingy with it and he was holding on to it really, really tightly. So according to Jesus here in this story that he tells, the money and stuff we store up for ourselves is worthless. And, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a savings account. I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't plan for retirement, but there is a point where you are storing up more than you could ever use. And not only does Jesus say it's worthless, but he says if you're more focused on that than you're focused on a relationship with God, you're a fool. Sick burn, Jesus. You're a fool if those are your priorities. We can spend our entire lives trying to collect more and more and acquire more and more stuff. But when it comes to the end, what will have been the point if all of our stuff just goes away? When it comes to the end of our lives, we could spend our limited time on earth trying to get more stuff. And you're going to hear a lot of messages in your life that are telling you, prioritize this, because you got to provide, you got to be safe, you got to make sure you have stuff. But on your deathbed, that is not what you want your life to have been about. I promise you, that is not what you want to have been the focus of your life. Jesus makes it clear, even though the world may condition us to get more and more and more stuff, the quality of your life has nothing to do with the stuff you own. I'll say it again. The quality of your life has nothing to do with the stuff you own. I've been listening to a podcast with a guy that's, uh, he's an entrepreneur, he's super business oriented, super rich. And I'll just say that. He's got stuff. He does not have any worries about that. But he gives people advice. A lot of the shows are call, like question and answer. And he gives a lot of advice that says, like, hey, you're going to make less money doing this, but you're going to be happy. <laughs> you're going to have some quality of life if you make this decision. Because he, even this guy who has all this stuff recognizes, if my life was about acquiring stuff, I'm going to have a sad life. The quality of your life has nothing to do with the stuff you own. No amount of stuff will ever satisfy you. And just like the Israelites who built their own God because they were tired of waiting for the true God to come through for them, we often turn to our stuff and our money to protect us and provide for us when we don't trust God to do that. We turn to our stuff to find fulfillment and peace and meaning and significance, but that never really works out. It doesn't work out in a for real type of way. Like sometimes we may get like a hint, of, a shadow of what it feels like to feel fulfilled when we you know, get a big check. But that never sustains us. It never satisfies us in a for real kind of way. We could gain all the stuff in the world, but if our deepest desire is more stuff, we're going to live lives that are empty and unsatisfied because no amount of stuff can satisfy that. So what do we do? How do we break away from worshiping the God of stuff? 
Now, the answer may be simpler than you think. Last week, we talked about the God of me, and we said we defeat the God of me when we give up our seat. And today's big idea is really simpler, is really simple as well. Similar, that's what I was going to say. It's very similar to that. (laughs) We defeat the God of stuff by letting go of it. We defeat the God of stuff by letting go of our things. It's that simple, and it's that difficult. We defeat the God of stuff by letting go of our things. Think about how, what Jesus gave up to be with us. We talked about this last week as well. He gave up his seat on the throne of all creation. He had a pretty good setup. And he said, if I, if I take this power, this deity, if I only focus on this, the people are gonna miss out on me. So Jesus knew his, his purpose. He gave up everything to sacrifice himself for us. Jesus' life was all about sacrifice. And if you've read any of the Bible, you know some of the miracles he did. He could have been rich and famous. Jesus could have been rich and famous. He would have had no problem doing that. But he knew what a healthy relationship with stuff actually looked like. And he knew that he didn't need to acquire a ton of stuff in his life to be satisfied or to fulfill his purpose. What he came to earth to do was to die for his people. And that's where his focus was. And that's what he did because he loves us. We defeat the God of stuff by letting go of our things. You may not have barns full of grain overflowing or a huge inheritance to divide, but you probably have stuff you call your own. There's probably some stuff in your life. So just because you don't have a lot of stuff doesn't mean this conversation doesn't apply to you yet. It certainly does. You don't have to be rich to worship the God of stuff. And you might, at this point in your life, have the least amount of stuff that you've ever had or you ever will have. Right now, you may be at the lowest level you're only acquiring from here. For most of you in the room, that will probably be the case. And that makes now a really good time to learn this lesson because the stakes are a little lower, and so it's great to talk about it now. You can develop the kind of habits and attitudes that establish the right relationship between you and your stuff. Figure it out now so that when you have a car and a steady income and a retirement plan and a house, you have all of these habits and attitudes in order already. So this will help you stay with that right relationship with your stuff, where you own your stuff and your stuff doesn't own you. So how do you know you're worshiping the God of stuff? Here's a list of things that may be a clue. When you prioritize your stuff over people, you might be worshiping the God of stuff. When you always want more stuff, when you find yourself constantly looking for more stuff, I'm very guilty of that sometimes. You might be worshiping the God of stuff. When you're hesitant to share your stuff, like that guy who had barns and barns full of grain, he could have given stuff away and not built giant storage units. When when you're hesitant to share your stuff, you might be worshiping the God of stuff. And when you find your identity in your stuff, when you find that you are collecting stuff so that people know you are a person with stuff, you may be worshiping the God of stuff. And once you spot the signs of worshiping the God of stuff, you can start to see, uh, it makes it way easier to know that you're having this problem so you can address that problem and stop worshiping your stuff. So here are some ideas to get you started. Much like last week, it's the opposite of the bad things. Try giving your stuff away. Try sharing something in your life. Try buying less stuff for yourself and buying more stuff for other people. I don't know how God might be calling you to respond to this conversation today, but I hope you're listening and I hope you're asking for something. Asking God, 
and saying, this conversation about stuff, it's not really interesting to me, but what do you have for me? Or maybe you're very in tune to this because you've been thinking about it and God's already been speaking to you. But listen to what he has to say because our relationship with our stuff is so powerful and it has power to really help us or really harm us and the people that are around us. This week, I'm praying that we would allow God to teach us what it means to be in right relationship with our stuff and that we would listen to what he has to say and that we would take some steps to get that right relationship with our stuff. Take some steps to apply it to our lives. Some of these things that we talked about, to giving stuff away, buying less for yourself, buying more for others. So we can get to a place where we own our stuff and our stuff does not own us. We defeat the God of stuff by letting go of our things. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the events in the lives of your people thousands of years ago that we can still learn today. We can learn the pain that happens when we put things in front of you, when we put someone else on the throne of our hearts. We can see the pain that that causes. And we can see your teaching. And we can learn about what our relationship with our stuff could look like because storing up more stuff than we could ever use is not a good relationship with our stuff. And you call it foolish. So help us to remember that, to apply it to our lives. God, I pray you're speaking to people individually. On an individual basis, you're giving us clues on how to apply this to our lives. Some of us need to give stuff away. Some of us need to say no the next time we feel the need to buy something for ourselves. And some of us need to buy something for someone else. I pray you're speaking to us individually and that through the course of our small group conversation as well, you're teaching us and you're molding us to look more and more like you. And God, I pray that not a single person walks out of this room tonight without looking a little bit more like you. We love you. We praise you. It's in your precious name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.